Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. The Women's World Cup in France is almost upon us. 24 teams competing in 52 matches in nine cities over the course of one month, all for the most prestigious prize in women's football. We'll be coming to you every Monday and Thursday during the tournament. Today, we'll be looking ahead to the most high-profile Women's World Cup of all time. Alongside me in the studio today, women's football reporter for The Times, Molly Hudson, writer for the Sunday Times and the Sunday Times Sport, it is Rebecca Myers. The Times chief sports writer Matt Dickinson is here, and we're also joined by the former England and Chelsea star Claire Rafferty. And Claire, let me just start with you. You recently announced your retirement from football. How hard a decision was that to make? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I um, decided overnight. It's been um, probably a, a six to seven month process. Um, leaving Chelsea for me was quite um, emotional, so. It's been difficult to kind of uh, refocus, but I've had a fantastic year at West Ham. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm 30 now. I've had three ACLs and a lo- lot of, of injuries on top of that. So my body finally kind of said, you know, is enough's enough. And um, for me, I always wanted to uh, be playing at the top level. And as soon as I feel like I'm, I'm not able to do that, um, I wasn't really willing to take a step down. So, uh, yeah, I think the right time for me and I'm, I'm really excited for the next stage. Yeah, and that's only our game, that is for sure. Now, later on, we're looking at the contenders for the trophy, the players we should be excited about, and the potential impact of the tournament as a whole. Let's start with England then, managed by Phil Neville, who took over in January 2018. He is a prominent figure within the men's game. Matt, how much do you think this appointment has raised the profile of the women's game? I think in this country it's raised it a lot. Um, I mean, I, I'm an admirer of Phil Neville's for a very long time, known him since he was sort of young, coming through at United. Um, incredibly diligent guy, which is why, you know, people, a lot of people, you know, I can understand asking the question about him coming from outside the women's game, asking was that appropriate, but if you're going to take that as a criteria, you're going to be ruling out an awful lot of talented people. So I think I always knew that he would throw himself at the job as, as wholeheartedly as he would anything. That's, that's his nature. I think we've seen that. I think we've seen potentially the, the beginnings of a, of a successful management career. He's got, he certainly ticks a lot of boxes. We, you know, we're still learning about him on the job. But I think the FA also sees someone who suits, potentially suits international football, which is a different sort of rhythm and different um, attributes required. 
And as I said, I think, you know, with his profile coming in, you know, it's it's made a lot of people sit up. And that's, you know, that's not reason in itself to give him the job. But at a time when we are all looking forward to a World Cup, we're looking forward to hopefully a successful England team. And I think to the growth of the women's game, I think he's got a big role potentially to play in that. Molly, is there a real sense within this group that they can go all the way? I think there definitely is, particularly with Phil's impact on the squad since he's come in. He's been very clear in lots of media that he's done that actually, yes, that is the aim. The aim is to lift the World Cup. And I think that's something that perhaps in English football in general, we've been a little bit afraid of saying at times. Um, And particularly for this women's team, as the league has now become professional this season as well, um, the players are training at a higher level. They're coming up against players of a higher level. And I think that's definitely improving in reflecting on the England internationals. I think the She Believes Cup victory definitely played a part in that. It was a victory against some of the best teams in the world. Now, we can look at that one of two ways. You can say, yes, it was a win and we beat what was up against us. But at the same time, you know, the teams there probably aren't the teams that we will face in the World Cup. There would be very different personnel. But certainly Phil has brought in that winning mentality that he had as a player. And I think a lot of these players now, they're at a time in their career where they're really ready to go and build on build on that bronze medal from 2015. Mm. If they do go all the way, of course, it will be the captain, Steph Horton, that lifts the trophy. Someone who has had to show remarkable character in her personal life with her husband suffering from a debilitating illness. Rebecca, talk to us about the power of a role model like Horton. Yeah, I mean, um, well, first of all, it's incredible, really, that she's coming at all. I mean, her husband was only diagnosed with motor neuron disease back in uh, autumn last year. That's a disease that has a life expectancy of of as little as sort of three years. So at the time, Phil did say, you know, you take a step back if you need, do what you need to do, you you know, your family comes first. And there was no guarantee that that she would have turned around and said, I want to continue, but she did. And and that's really the greatest testament there could be to her character and and to her strength. Um, I think also, you know, I'm sure her husband would want her to be there. He's come to all the games. I'm sure he'll come along and, and cheer her on. But there really isn't sort of greater inspiration than that, especially for people watching back home to see someone who's gone through all of that and, and come out and played so brilliantly. She's also, she's led the, the squad through so much. She was there through all the Samps and stuff. She's seen this squad kind of through thick and thin and they look to her now and I think that this will be her time to, to shine really. Claire, you know this squad well. You've played with and against these England players. Tell us about the talent then that this squad offers and, and particularly up in the attack uh, section of that squad. Yeah, was um, just touching on Steph as well. Like knowing her personally, um, she is the most level-headed person and the most obvious leader, even from first meeting of her that you'll ever come across. And I think that showed in, in how she's dealt with the situation. And I think sometimes when you go through something such emotionally difficult as that, you really kind of then get the opportunity to channel your frustrations in different ways. And this World Cup is actually a fantastic opportunity for her to be normal for her in her eyes. But going back to the the, uh, attacking front, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite scary, isn't it? Nikita Paris just announced leaving City, which is a a big loss for them. Um, Obviously, Georgia Stanway, what a talent coming through. Unfortunately, scored against us in the uh, in the FA Cup final, uh, <laughs> which I'm not going to go to about, on about too much. Um, but yeah, and then you know you've got the likes of Jodie Taylor, Ellen White, um, who've got bundles of experience. Tony Duggan, I mean, obviously Jodie Taylor was, had such a fantastic tournament um, in 2015, and then to go on and win the Golden Boot in the Euros two years after, she really is kind of a, a big tournament player. Um, same as Ellen White, the goals they've scored 
I remember, on, on, you know, me and Ellen had, have had the same kind of journey. We, we had our debuts together and we've been in, in every single squad um, together. And I will always remember Ellen in 2011 coming on and, and scoring in Germany 2011 World Cup. And since then, she's kind of really made a name for herself. And I know a lot of people kind of go, what does she bring? But that's what she brings. She brings big goals and big tournaments and the obvious likes of Nikita and, and uh, Georgia Samway that, you know, their ability to beat players and, and their kind of unpredictability really is going to be a key attribute moving forward for us. Let's talk a little bit about Nikita Paris then, who is the player of the year in England with Manchester City. She is off to France, as you say. She's she's joining up at, at Lyon, the very successful Lyon team. You mentioned Tony Duggan there as well. She's at Barcelona. Rebecca, is Nikita the next European superstar, would you say? I definitely think so, yeah. I, mm. If I had to put my money on anyone, it would it would be Nikita. Um I mean, she's just shone at Manchester City. She's so young, um, but she's such a character as well. She's such a brilliant spark. Like, she walks into a room, she lights it up. She's great on social media. I think the Europeans are going to love her accent. She's so cheeky. I think she's just, <laughs> she's, you know, the footballer for now. Young girls love her. And she's, you know, she's got great value. She does quite a lot of sort of charity work, stuff like that. And I think she's going to be, um, you know, she's going to thrive over there in Lyon where there's, such massive crowds I think she's just gonna yeah absolutely it's a shame to them. lose her from the English league isn't it really yeah, but, um, yeah. it's got they, they obviously pay a bit more than they do yeah. she, was very, she was super impressive at the FWA yes. awards night um, up on the stage with Raheem Sterling and she was every bit as much of the star of the show as, as he was mm. um, came on spoke really well as you say really sort of bright spark um, so yeah looking forward to seeing characters more of like that really important to, to squads well absolutely because I think you know coming as someone who spends you know, 99% of their time in, in the men's game but it's what Gareth Southgate I think did brilliantly was was tell his players to tell their stories and I think that's what the women's game you know to educate you know a lot of us that, that still need educating and, and to, to learn about the players and and you know the struggles they've been through I mean you know Gareth Southgate told all his players to to, to start you know they're, they're seen as overpaid and spoiled and he was like no 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 you guys have to get to this level, you've come through a lot. Well, imagine if that, you know, on the women's side, imagine how much they've had to go through. Probably, you know, had to come from from you know neglected clubs and and you know a lot less opportunities. So I think you know I'm really looking forward to some of the the women like Nikita telling their stories. Mm. Well, England will face Argentina, Japan, and Scotland in their group, and of course, it's even more of a landmark for Scotland qualifying for the first time ever. This is uh, Shelley Kerr, the former Scotland international, who's in charge. What do we know about Scotland, Molly? We know that I think, for me, they could be a dark horse. And I think if you look at our group on paper, you take England and Japan and you say they're the two teams that are going forward. But I actually think that the Scotland game could be as difficult or more difficult than the Japan game because, yes, we know what Japan offer and their possession-based football and you know that they're very good at that and they've got the experience on the world stage. But Scotland almost have that air of air of mystery about them. It's their first tournament, first major tournament. And I think it's, it's you know, we know they, they struggled in the Euros. They had some players out and I think the Lionesses beat them 6-0. And that, that's certainly not going to be the case this time around. Mm. I think, you know, we've seen the likes of Aaron Cuthbert, Caroline Weir, those sort of players, they're really thriving in the Women's Super League. And I think our English domestic game is actually really impacting on the Scottish team and we also saw the Welsh team in the in the qualifying it's really making an impact now that they're they're playing in a professional league and they're playing up against professional players and that's really making a difference and I think Scotland have definitely taken the team to heart I think they've had you know they've had the men's teams that haven't done so well in recent years and I think 
you know, it's really nice that I know the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, went to the to the trophy tour. And I think, you know, that they're, they're re- they'll have the whole country behind them. And I think mm. that's really important for them as players on such a big occasion. Uh, and Claire, you were nodding away about yeah. Scotland being a dark horse. Yeah, totally. And, and when you're an underdog like, like Scotland are, the pressure's off and results are, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen. Um, I think you kind of, we felt a bit like that um, in the last World Cup. No one really expected us to be as successful as we were and that went in our favour. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see some upsets caused by Scotland. Looking at the rest of the runners and riders then, Claire, let's ask you, which players are you most excited about seeing? The players perhaps that could light up this tournament? Yeah, I mean, where do I start? Um, Sam Kerr has been outstanding in the, in the American League. Um, I think she's a top goal scorer in the American League and the Australian League. Um, so she's a, a strike force that we want to try and avoid. Um, equally, Medima um, for Arsenal has been fantastic this season. And she plays the Netherlands. Yep, she's mm. a, a Dutch player. I mean, the whole Dutch team, you know, having won the Euros, will be taking great confidence from that. I know they've had a bit of a difficult qualifying run, but, you know, the experience you get from, from being a winner and that change in mentality really will kind of push them on. Matt Marta is a name very familiar to those who perhaps don't follow the, the women's game still, but she really is an icon for the sport. Yeah, I think, I mean, she's one name that everyone knows, that's for sure. I mean, I think she's she's 33 now, um, obviously sort of approaching the twilight. I think it would be a fifth World Cup, but she's um, got record goal scorer in World Cups. I mean, I think, yeah, the women's game, again, will thrive with iconic players from whatever country they come from, and she certainly qualifies. I think also on Marta, as Matt said, this this could well, let's infer, be her final World Cup. And to look at what she's seen in the span of the World Cup she's attended and how, I mean, we know that she's pretty much, you know, still the best paid player in the world, but she's had to endure an awful lot of different atmospheres, far less funding, far less crowds previously. So... I'd almost love to hear her reflections after this World Cup mm. on how that has all, all changed. I mean, I would have loved to see Ada Hegerberg. She announced a couple of years ago um, that she was not going to take part in the Norwegian national team, um, despite being pretty much their star player, um, because she had issues with the way they were supported and, and funded and all of that. And it's a shame because this would have been a great opportunity for her to to showcase her talents to fans who only know her from the twerking comments. She's an incredible footballer. She plays for... Leon superbly and, and it's a shame that we can't see that that skill on the pitch but equally there's there's so many other talents coming through you, you know Jisoo Young of, of Korea um, you know you've got Marim Yelda of, of Norway um, every single team has you know at least two or three star players Randy Renard of, of France Marazan of, of Germany so it's really difficult to call who is going in as favourites as, as obviously USA are the standout um, favourites having won the last World Cup but England definitely have a good shout in my eyes for sure. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you mentioned that USA, the holders, one of the main contenders then took to win it. Molly, who, who else can we back, perhaps? I honestly would echo what Claire's just said. I genuinely think it's wide open because I think, particularly touching on the She Believes Cup again, we saw that, yes, England won it, but there were there were certainly flaws there, that there's, there's things that still need to be decided, particularly in the friendlies. We've seen sort of like Lucy Bronze. He's been, it's been a bit experimental from Phil, whether he plays her in midfield or right back, where, you know, he's already said she's the best in the world. So I guess it's if it's if it's not broken, why try and fix it? <laughs> but that's that's certainly something that's still up for discussion, and perhaps we'll see that in the two more friendlies that we still have to come. Um, I think the likes of the US and Japan perhaps didn't take that tournament as seriously as we did, and I think that's certainly if you take that as how it's going to be in the World Cup, then that's definitely a false impression. You know, US the holders, we know we know the kind of quality they bring. Yes, some of their star players now are ageing, but I think, you know, the, the strength and depth of a country like the US is, is far superior to what we have at the moment. But, you know, I also think, you know, we talk about the Netherlands and how good they are. I know the, the pressure, there's quite a lot of pressure in the Netherlands, almost because they won the Euros, they're like, they go to a training session and it's sold out just to watch them train. Mm. And for women's footballers, particularly, like for me, Demar, I was speaking to her earlier on the season, and it's it's almost like they've... They've jumped ahead and they're kind of trying to catch up to that now and trying to live up to those expectations. And then obviously France, the hosts, for me, I think that they're, if I had to pick a team, I'd probably go for France. Just the feeling of hosts, you know, we've seen how good domestically a lot of those players are with Leon, and they've got a lot of experience mixed with young talent in that team that can, you know, on their day, I genuinely think they could be anyone in the world. But for me, France always kind of fail at the last they're hurdle. There. I don't think they've, they've got past the semi-final. Um, in, in the World Cup and um, they've always had such fantastic talent and their domestic league's always been so, so strong but for some reason that mentality has always let them down. I know the last World Cup they were expected to go on and do better than us and, and they didn't because of, I, I think the only difference for me is mentality and this year the pressure is on them. It's a, can they emulate what the men did and, and I hope they don't because I want England to win but I mean <laughs> they should be doing so. They should be doing a lot better then. Now of course anyone who's read your work, Matt, or listened to uh, him on the game podcast before you will know that Matt is a big supporter of VAR and this will be the first ever Women's World Cup with VAR. Is that, Matt, another example of the raised profile of the game then? Um, well, I think it's just it's a necessary way of treating the same. I mean, it was obviously introduced um, at the, the 2018 um, Men's World Cup and I think with yeah, one or two glitches aside um, over a couple of handballs, decisions which are <laughs> that seems to be the the big VR grey area, I thought with great success. You know, there was an awful lot of of sort of doom mongering before about you know, it would ruin this and ruin that. I mean, yeah, and look at this season uh, in Europe. You know, the fact is, Man City would be in the Champions League final. Was it not for for a VAR decision that corrected a, a wrong offside? So, yeah, we're seeing it used uh, rightly in in my mind in in big games, and and I think yeah, it's absolutely vital that. 
the, the women's tournament is treated the same as the men's, you know, and hopefully that is changing. I mean, the fact that they um, made the women play on synthetic pitches, I mean, you know, I, I think there's no way they would have done that to the, to the men's tournament. And, and this is a, a sort of very simple, common-sense way of, of treating them both um, as equals, which is only right. I think we all hope that VAR isn't a talking point in the tournament because obviously looking at it from another perspective, obviously Bibiana Steinhaus is the only referee that has actually used VAR in a professional league and in proper games. And I think, you know, it is a risk because yes, of course, as Matt said, it clears up some of those decisions that you look back on and you think, you know, that's made a massive impact and easily with VAR it's it's found, but at the same time, these referees have kind of, I think the most they've done is worked in youth tournaments with VAR. Mm. So it's it's whether they can take that step up with the pressure, with the crowds, which, you know, not only will the players not have been used to, but these officials won't have been used to either. So I think what we can all hope for is that it runs really smoothly, VAR does its job, but it isn't taken taking the main stage it's the big talking point have the focus on them yeah i mean of course var does add drama for people watching at home rebecca so for those watching they may well enjoy the fact that var is there yeah exactly and and you know what's better than watching at home on the tv and having a bit of a kind of row about (laughs) whether you think something's gonna gonna play out the way you hoped or thought it thought it looked from your eyes i think it will our drama i think it's helped massively that it's had a bit of time to warm up that the fans have had a bit of time to adjust to it but i i would completely echo matt we equality you don't get just good things you get good and bad with equality and we've got to have everything and i think you can't have a women's world cup without it when the men have got it it's so important but you know on the flip side like molly said it may well expose some sort of teething pains in in refereeing in officials that we we know the women's game has the best we can hope for really is that it's a non-story and Mm. it's just a a good extra for the people at home Claire what's your feelings on VAR as a a former player yeah I mean I think former ouch (laughs) (laughs) hasn't hit yet (laughs) sorry um I think when the you know the cost of winning and losing is so high you need to reduce human error as much as possible. So I'm, I really am a big fan of it. Um, I would have loved to have it in the 2015 World Cup when we played Japan. I don't know, I've ranted about this so many times. There was a penalty given against me for a foul that was outside the box. And I only got this because I got sent pictures of the freeze frame of it. So I know it was outside the box. But if we had VAR then, then we would have won the game because it would have been, am I right to say, maybe... No, we would have drawn the game and it would have been different. We would have gone further into... But it's a big deal. Momentum shifted in their favour. Luckily, Farrah Williams went on and scored a penalty to uh, save my blushes. So... um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Obviously, teething problems with referees is a standard good enough in the first place anyway. This extra pressure of them dealing with it. I just hope that, um, yeah, as, as Rebecca and Molly and Matt said, it, it's not um, the talking point of the tournament. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the potential impact of this tournament on the wider public. Molly, as someone that covers the WSL week in, week out, and you've seen the growth of the game, how excited are you about this summer? I'm so excited. It is literally going to be the biggest, um, hopefully best, World Cup. And hopefully that that translates England winning and that massively translates into the leagues. But I think, if nothing else, it's massively helped the the teams that have qualified. You take Argentina, that are probably going to hopefully lose every game in our group. They are the minnows, but just for them, the Argentinian FA have now said they're going to pay them for being in the tournament. They've also secured a domestic league, a professional domestic league. 
So purely for qualifying for some of these countries, you know, your Thailands, yes, it, it may feel as though there's a bigger gap between the elite and the minnows in the actual tournament. And yes, perhaps we shall see some big score lines. But certainly for all of these teams, it's, it's such a massive thing for the game to have this World Cup, to have it on TV, particularly with it being on free-to-air TV. That, that makes a big difference to the people that can just switch their TV on and watch it, and especially the younger generation. That, you know, your people like Steph Horton, Nikita Paris, they really can be the role models for the next generation. And hopefully they are lucky enough now to have the grassroots plans in place for for these young children to watch watch these games and be inspired and then there's now the pathway to go on and achieve that and to get involved at grassroots and I think we've been saying it a lot that there's a tipping point in the women's game this is going to be the moment and I know Phil Neville's very keen for that to be the moment and his influence has definitely helped that but yeah you just have to hope England have a good world cup and I think if we do that's it that's that's the tipping point but you just hope that if we don't do so well and perhaps Phil leaves you hope that it doesn't you know simmer down again and you just have to really build on that momentum and I know that's something the FA are really keen to do to capitalise on all of this media attention. Mm. And how is this tournament in France being received in terms of attendances and, and the France nationals? How much are they all looking forward to this summer? I think it's a good combination because, you know, uh, some of us have recently spent some time there for the Women's Champions League and they love football. France loves football. And they've really taken women's football in particular to the heart. I know there was some controversy with the Paris Saint-Germain ultras, but the actual Paris Saint-Germain fans were amazing. It was the most incredible atmosphere I've ever experienced at a women's game. And I think, you know, Lyon, that was, I think it was nearly 23,000 fans watched the semi-final with Chelsea. And that was that was the highest attendance that they've had bar a final in the Champions League. So I think... If you were ever going to pick a country to have other than England, which has really grown with the game, it would be France. You know, it's it's easy to get to. We talk about, you know, the men's game and the Europa Leagues and all of that, the struggle, <laughs> the struggle to get to places. You know, this is France and this is their big cities and their big stadiums. And they've really, you know, they've, I mean, the Stade Denise where England play against Scotland and Japan, you know, that held games at Euro 2016. So it, they're 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 ready now. They're ready for the fans and ready to grow the game. And hopefully that will really improve the attendances for the tournament. Rebecca, an exciting World Cup, an exciting England team. What effect can this all have on young girls then growing up watching this tournament? I actually I said this the other day to a friend, and I say it with some trepidation, but I do think like this could change everything and you sort of say that and you go oh god I can't believe I just said that but I you know this is the first time that young girls watching it know they can be paid to be a footballer they know that that is and not paid as in you know a hundred quid here or there and you've got to work three other jobs paid full-time properly decent wages I think it's also coming at a time we know the FA has been putting in quite a lot of infrastructure for clubs so that a young girl if she watches the World Cup on TV can find a local club and actually go to it a local club that even five years ago, wouldn't have been there. Um, She would have had to play for the boys' team. Hopefully that will start to become less and less common. And it's also, you know, we're in a moment, I think, for women's sport in general. There's an atmosphere. We've got the Netball World Cup straight afterwards. Um, And also just things like This Girl Can adverts and changes in how girls are viewed as as having a sporting interest. And all of that hopefully should kind of compound. And these young girls can sit and watch TV and and say, I want to do that and not be called a tomboy or not be called a boy or not be ridiculed for wanting to do something like that. Obviously we've we've touched on the fact that we want equality in both the men's and and women's game but you did write 
recently about the issue of sexist sports kits maybe driving young girls away from the sport what, what happened what was that all about yeah so um this actually had great reaction from this piece quite a lot of athletes and, and players um tweeting and, and getting in touch about it um but i wrote about how kit affects everyone from a young girl just literally playing in their PE kit all the way through to a player who can't get kit that fits or kit made for women at all um you know this is a huge problem particularly in football actually more so than a lot of sports Adidas only bought out a women's football boot in, I think, 2016. It's not something that's been around for long. Lots of players play in, in men's boots or children's boots if you're a woman with small feet. Lots of girls will turn up to a local sports store and be told that they only stock boys' boots. Um, and that's before you get into really basic things like, are your pee kit shorts too tight? Do they make you feel uncomfortable or exposed or fat or whatever it is? Anything like that is an obstacle. Um, and we're finding girls are dropping out of PE, dropping out of sport, increasingly younger and younger and in more and more numbers um, and just basic things like this can be so easily avoided nike event sort of put out these fantastic kits for this tournament but this is the first tournament that women have had different kits to men that's absurd mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. i think we sometimes forget to take a step back and realize quite how slow this progress has been and it's not just about keeping girls in the game it's making sure they're safe when they play and a man's football boot is not safe for a woman to play in Particularly, I'm sure Claire is more than sadly <laughs> familiar with this. With especially, you know, with that saying, hey, on top of playing on a 3G pitch in the last World Cup, five consecutive games on a 3G absolutely tore my knees to bits. And in the end, I actually couldn't even play that last game against Germany because of it. So small details, even down to, you know, you're saying about the shorts, the shape of the shorts. We have hips and we have bums and we have thighs, which some men don't have. Mm. Um, and they're, you know, they're made in a different way. The Nike shorts are made in a different way. And I can't tell you how much difference it makes just to be able to feel comfortable and be able to move properly in the shorts. And, you know, it, it's stuff that we, we wear every single day. So, you know, you wouldn't wear a, a, a man's shirt to work mm. if you didn't have to. Yeah. Um, so why do we have to wear men's training kit to work if we, if we don't have to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you say, progress is being made but slow progress considering it's only just happening um but certainly as we say looking forward to this this world cup there is change taking place and this world cup will be broadcast on terrestrial television matt it's fair to say it'll be the biggest women's world cup of your career do you think yeah well i mean it'll certainly be the first i'm attending so um and i'm looking forward to that i mean i'm looking forward to it a for just for the enjoyment sake of watching some really good football but you know i what the the women have just said there about the progress i mean i I think it's you know it's it's incumbent on all of us and and we talk about it a lot obviously in the media about how much profile we're giving to to women's sport um rightly people are asking hard questions about whether we give it enough we have to ask ourselves those questions there is still a really weirdly large audience out there of of men who sort of somehow regard the growth of women's sport as a threat which i i I just can't get my head around i mean if you don't want to watch it fine you know go and do something else but there is still actually a sort of active antipathy to it which is genuinely hard to get your head around and you know when you consider i know this is ancient history but it's still relevant history about the, the fa banning women's football for half of the 20th century i mean you know <laughs> there's a lot to correct you know there's still a lot of growth to come but it's coming there's you know you're you're a fool if you don't think it's coming um you can see it all around girls you know in every town village in the country are you know it's spreading and in, interest is spreading and this summer particularly being um on the bbc particularly hopefully having a, an england team that's that's to, to to be sort of got behind you know we've seen an england team 
on the roll will get the country behind it. I mean, look at the netball team, you know. Yeah, I could never believe that I'd be sitting there, you know, jumping off my sofa, screaming at the telly, mm-hmm. watching that ball, and I was. And I, I think, yeah, this tournament has got the potential to do the same. Mm. And Claire, as someone that has played then at the highest level in this country, do you feel, Matt's maybe sort of a, a little bit alluded to it, but there are still those misconceptions about the quality of the women's game when it comes to the general public? Sure. Um, you see it, you know, in some of the tweets you get and some of the responses you get from, from some of the output. Um, but ultimately, I think this World Cup is a fantastic opportunity for people to actually go out, watch some of the games. They're on BBC, everyone can watch and actually form an opinion based on what you're actually seeing rather than what you think the quality is like. And, and you know, you have to respect people's opinions. The people who don't want to watch it, as Matt said, don't watch it. That's absolutely fine. But at least give it some, you know, percentage of attention, base your decisions on that and then hopefully we can um, move on. And, and I think success will be will be uh, pivotal in, in changing some of them opinions and everyone, you know, will be wanting football to come home. <laughs> I just I think also with the terrestrial TV side of things, what I would love to see, and I won't be able to see it because I'll be in France, but hopefully, you know, calling friends and family back home, I'd want to I want to see people having like parties in their garden, like people like people did last year, that proper summer World Cup fever. That also we're not going to get with Qatar, so use up your World Cup fever now. <laughs> but that summer, that British summer feeling of like you know barbecues in the rain whatever but putting the football on together watching it as a group having it down the local pub i really yeah. hope that lots of yeah. pubs put it on i'm i think you know if you find out that your local pub isn't going to put it on go and tell them to put it on there's no reason why they shouldn't um and that's what you want to see that sort of feverish it's coming home because actually for the first time in you know how many decades it might actually be coming home so you know <laughs> watch it and it's going to be exciting molly at the end of the day I think it's really important that we actually capitalise on the male allies in the women's game because, as Matt said, there is that section of society that is very aggressively against women's football and women's sport generally. And I think it's very easy to look at that section of society and it's it's quite loud, it's very in your face, it replies to the articles and it's on Twitter. But actually, there's a whole generation of men that support women's sport and They'll be out there, out there in France watching it, and they'll be they'll be watching it at home on TV. And I think it's really important to not not give that section of society too much kind of airtime because actually there's some amazing men that are doing a lot for the women's game. And you know Phil Neville, for example, you know what he's done for the game and what he's doing for the game and the young girls out there is is really important. And I think it's important that 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 doesn't get overshadowed by that small minority. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and Claire's pretty good at putting people down. Good story, she'll often <laughs> oh, say. Don't worry. Cool story I said to some guy <laughs> who replied to talk sports stuff. That was it. That was a really good uh, put down. I like that. Okay, that is it for now. Many thanks uh, to our guests today. Molly Hudson, Rebecca Myers, Matt Dickinson and Claire Rafferty. We'll be back on the 10th of June after England take on Scotland. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.